Welcome to Look What She Built, where we show you examples of what an iconic woman leader looks like. I'm your host, Jamie Rowe, and I'm so excited to have you here. I created Look What She Built because I want to celebrate the bold, the brave, and badass women who are doing business in their own way. In this podcast, we're going to interview and celebrate these women business owners, as well as bring on experts that can help us dive deep on topics like sales, self-care, money mindset, and more. So let's dive in and show the world what an iconic woman looks like. This is Jamie Rowe from Look What She Built Podcast. And I have Michelle Ashby with me today. Michelle, how are you today? I'm great, Jamie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited you're here. I've been excited since I met you. Um, So let me share uh, with our audience here a little bit about you. So uh, Michelle Ashby, I got it. (laughs) Just that one. There we go. Michelle Ashby, she's the principal and founder of Ashby Consulting Enterprises. Her goal is to train a thousand women for corporate boards. Here, her focus is on educating, supporting, and teaching women how to attain corporate board positions through her board certification programs. Michelle is also principal and founder of CDI, which is Corporate Directors International, and they provide training materials and certifications for board candidates with a focus on board governance, financial acumen, responsibilities of directors and liabilities, Michelle Ashby is an engaged independent director with collective corporate board experience of 20 years on six corporate boards, over 20 years in nonprofit boards, and 18 years on trade associate, excuse me, association boards. She is currently an independent director for National Mining Hall of Fame and Museum, as well as a subject matter expert in finance, mining, and corporate boards, a keynote speaker, and an executive business consultant. She was named one of the top 25 most powerful women in business in Colorado, the top 100 women in mining globally in 2022. Now, Michelle has a diverse background, which includes not only the 20 years as a gold specialist and analyst, but a financial expert and a successful entrepreneur. Among her achievements are founding the Denver Gold Group, a global trade association, which has become an institution for the gold mining business. Following the Denver Gold Group, she formed Mine LLC, a successful marketing firm, which matched international investors and bankers with resource and energy projects in Africa, the Middle East, and the Americas. Not only that, she's an author of three books, a former ultra athlete. Michelle is the first woman in North America to row 24 hours on a Concept 2 rowing machine, a total of 211,036 meters. She founded Danny's Foundation in memory of her daughter, Danny Stell, which contributed over 1 million for Ewing's sarcoma cancer research over 15 years. She has also served as the chair of the oncology board at the Children's Hospital, Colorado. And in 2006, she helped form Danny's home in Livingston, Zambia, a home for sexually abused girls, which is still in operation. My goodness. You just a couple of things, just a couple of things, you know, it's fine. All the days work, you know, I like to stay busy. Let's just put it that way. That is for sure. Um, <laughs> I am so interested. Well, we were talking a little bit about the concept to rowing machine because you were, when you say an ultra athlete, tell everyone what that means. Tell our audience what's an ultra athlete. Well, the, the common 
um, you know, definition is anyone who can run over a marathon. So it's a, usually a running term. Um, and so, yeah, so basically over 26 miles. So I was an ultra runner and I was a train, worked with a, I was a training partner with a woman who is a world-class athlete for four years. So I did a myriad of different events and the farthest I've ever run is 135 miles in 48 hours. Wow. Where, what was it? Have you done the Leadville 100 here in Colorado? No, we did our, we, she would organize, um, she would organize the runs and they were always a benefit for some charity. Um, so we would do things on behalf of the homeless or the AIDS or uh, Martin Luther King day. You know, we did, we did a, just a variety of things, but she was really creative that way. And we got lots of press because it was so unique and other people would join us. It wasn't like we were the only two, um, the point was that she raised awareness for these organizations and they they ended up benefiting quite a bit. So it was a really good connection for me because I am very active, as you can tell. And I like the um, the physicality and applying that for a benefit to someone else, I thought was so great because I've participated in paid events where you go do triathlons and that type of thing. It was much more fulfilling for me to do it this other way where there was always a benefit. So like when I did my row, we did that for Alzheimer's. So we raised awareness for Alzheimer's and all the money went to that organization. I love that connection to something bigger than you, like for a cause that really matters because um, I've also run marathons and, and was a biathlete. And there are moments in a race where you're done. Like it is hard to put another foot in front of the other. You stop at a water station like, I could leave right now. Yeah. <laughs> I could just walk off this path, you know, and just, you know, go into the sunset here, but I'm here for Alzheimer's. I'm here for the homeless. I'm here for children. I'm here for all those. And I love how that's incorporated together. Um, I'm impressed. And I'm sure our audience is too. We're going to talk about boards though today. Yeah, um, that's good. Do that. You have the coolest certification program that I didn't even know existed um, until I met you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I love that your mission to get more women on boards. So let's talk a little bit about boards and even why, why would, why would someone aspire to be on a board? Why does it really matter that we have more women on boards? Talk to me a little bit about that. Absolutely. Women's aspire to be on boards for a number of reasons, depending on who they are and what, you know, what industry they're in. It's really to get in there and to be able to bring their passion. Like if you're passionate about the environment or the culture in a company, you have much more influence when you're sitting in the boardroom. That's where the power and the money are. Those are the biggest decisions that are being made. So our corporate board of directors oversee, they have oversight and strategy. So when they make that decision for the budget, it can influence all the personnel in a company, right? And let's look at just equal pay for women. If we have 50% women on boards and that, that there's more voices, more representation, I believe that we would be able to get equality in pay much faster, right? Oh, sure. They would yeah. be like, no, really, let's look yeah. at what let's everyone's being payroll. paid. Let's yeah. do an analysis. Let's right. get the data together. And then yeah. it's just very obvious what should be, what should be done. Yeah, okay. so outcomes I think can be much more beneficial for all of us in the community with more women at the board table. Why do you think women aren't getting, why, why aren't they applying? Why aren't they on boards? What's going on right now? Well, I would say we have more women applying today for board seats than we have ever had in the past. And I've seen such a quick, in, you know, a graduation of the knowledge that women had, let's say back in 2016, 17, when I started asking the question, why aren't you on a board to women? 
to where we are today, because there's so many more opportunities to learn about it. There's been a lot more coverage. And now more people are aware that, you know, it's really imp important to have the inclusion. And, um, you know, like George Floyd was a real turning point in regards to minorities and women being included in a lot of different areas. But this has also been part of the bandwagon. So we do see more women, but let's talk about what stops a woman from going for a board. So research shows that when a man and a woman have equal experience and skills, let's say at 60 percent, and they're offered a promotion or we can say a board seat, the man is more likely to raise his hand and say, pick me, I'll give it a go. And the woman is more likely not to raise her hand because the voice in her head says, ooh, I only have 60%. I need something else. I don't have enough. So we tend to get in our own way more than anyone else as far as preventing us from getting on board. So I work with my ladies to help them overcome that and to see that it's truly a mindset, not a gender thing. Because when I tell that story to a couple that interviewed me, I asked the man, what's your number? And he said, 10%. If I have 10% of what I need, I'll raise my hand and I'll go figure it out. Okay. So the, so the magic words are the last four. I'll go figure it out. Every woman I work with who are leaders, who are aspiring to be leaders, are, are people who have gone through something somewhere in their life, whether it's personal or career, that is something they had, they didn't know everything, they didn't have everything they needed, they, they had to go for it, they wanted to go for it, or it was forced upon them, and they figured it out. So if we change our mindset to, I can figure it out, and just apply it to this section, we can become CEOs, we can become board members, and we can get out of our own way. That's what I believe. Yeah, and I'll quote Marie for Leo is everything is figure outable. That's her book. Mm. Fitting, right? Yeah, very. Well, I want to talk about, about, about you because you've been on so many boards. And I think it's really helpful for people to hear someone of how board being on a board has transformed either you professionally, personally, your leadership. Like talk to me a little bit and walk me through your journey of being on that board, boards, multiple boards. Right. So I, I think, you know, uh, I've been on boards for a long time and I never kind of reflected on how that was until I started doing this work with other people. Getting in the boardroom, and that means nonprofits, trade associations, and corporate boards, you're exposed to other people. Your network changes. Usually boards are put together with that, what we call a skills matrix. We want to have a diversity of different backgrounds there. So it might be the first time that you're exposed to people who have different backgrounds than you do, who think differently than you do, men and women. I'm not talking about specifically women or men. And in that conversation, you and getting those relationships built, you now are exposed to different networks that you normally wouldn't be exposed to. That's one part of it. The other part is it's really good training to learn about what is this executive level of making decisions at that top level. So you may be an observer as a member in the beginning if you haven't been in a board before and you haven't taken a training. And then over time, you're getting it, you get mentored. Usually I was mentored by people and that really made a difference. So um, for me, I'll just talk about the corporate side. I didn't know I was a candidate um, for a board until a CEO called me, a friend of mine in my network that knew me really well, called me and said, hey, Michelle, I just bought a controlling interest in XYZ company and I'd like you to be on my board. Are you interested? And I was like, yes, of course I'm interested because I really like him and I like who he is and I like how he thinks. And we already had that establishment. So it was a no brainer. 
And I sat on that board for 17 years. I actually just stepped off last year, really for the fact of good governance, there was nothing wrong. And it was really painful to leave because they became my family. But that was, you know, kind of my first foray into the corporate world. And then I was invited to more boards, right? And in fact, I've had more invitations than I could accept because you only have so much bandwidth. So does that answer your question? Yeah, that's great. And also too, something too is um, how has it transformed you personally? Um, I think it's affected me quite a bit. And where it's affected me is that I have such an ease of being in the room with CEOs who run major corporations, also with large institutional investors. I'm not intimidated by them. The other thing is that I learned their lingo. So I became a good old boy, really. Um, I've been mentored by men through my career. I was in finance and mining for 30 years. And through that process, I became the I became one of the good old boys. And so it wasn't hard for them to include me and to support me and you know all those things. So those are the benefits that I think, and I had earned a lot of respect. Like once you're on a board, you get a ton of respect. That's night and day from not being on the board. Just telling you, you can't, it's hard to put into words what that difference is. But as a director, for instance, if I have a public company, as a director, I have the right to hire my own attorney and they pay for it. I have the right to, to um, you know, instigate, you know, re, you know, kind of, uh, reports. We usually it's within committee and you have to have good reasons for these kinds of things. Um, you can ask management to provide you with background on things and they do it, right? It's not like there's a pushback because you're the, you, at, you are at the top of the pyramid, right? You're over the CEO in a corporation, in a public company. So you have the most the highest distinction of anyone in that company. So imagine what that what responsibility it brings to you because you have a very high level of responsibility and um, the inside information that you're privy to, uh, expectations, you know, um, you're representing the company, the, you know, the C-suite management, the employees, the customers, the investors. It's a complex role. So if you're the type of person who likes to have that kind of challenge, um, it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I mean, for sure. Um, all the opportunities to people that you can meet, the skills you're going to build, the responsibility with, you know, um, with the power with that too. And I think about who's going to be the right fit for a board. Cause a lot of people that listen um, to this podcast are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were an entrepreneur, um, yeah. still are. Right. And they're like, well, this is for people who are in corporate. What no. would you say to that? I disagree. I think that entrepreneurs actually are quite uh, well suited for this because you're really well rounded. You have to deal with everything. You have to figure out how to get payroll. You have to figure out what's your marketing. You have to figure out what's your brand. You have to figure out who's your client. There's so many aspects of being an entrepreneur that train you to be this. Like if we look at the history of who were invited to boards in the past, and these would be male CEOs, male CEOs, they run their own business. They're the head of the business. So they want those well-rounded people to be there to help, you know, have discussions about what do I do about this situation of, you know, an employee issue or something that's going on or cyber attack that we're going under, you know, so those shared experiences are really valuable at the table. So the other piece is your influence 
is very key as a director. So not one person makes the decision for the company. It's a collective decision. So there are, it's very important with these conversations, committee meetings, and everything that you do to lead up to what that decision process is going to be when you finally get to the vote. Okay. All right. Um, Paint a picture for me of what your hope is for the future when it comes to boards. Well, my, my future looks like a 50, 50. I'd like to see, uh, you know, us have as many women in the boardroom in corporate boardrooms as we do men. We're 50% of the population. We, you know, I believe we deserve to have 50% of the representation. I'd like it to happen sooner than later because it, it, to me, I'm very impatient and, and that we should have been there already. We yeah. are making a lot of progress. We're getting there and it's happening. Yet this is still very new to the world of, uh, of corporate America and corporate Canada because North America is pretty much the same on both sides of the border in regards to having as many women in the boardroom as men. And that window is open right now. It could slam shut. There could be enough resistance that it would slam shut. So it's really important to me to keep our foot in the door and keep it open and help as many women, you know, shovel them in as, as fast as we can. <laughs> not with the shovel. You know, um, not with the shovel, but you know what I mean. Give them a hand, pull, help them, help them go through that entryway and, and get that seat and go for it. Do you know what the current split is right now for gender-wise? Yeah, so um, on the New York Stock Exchange at the highest level, so the Fortune 500 big companies, we're at 30%. Um, okay. The rest of the market, which would be what we call the Russell 3000, the smaller companies, I think we're at 24%. Um, Canada's at about 24%, and some industries are lower in percentage than others. Um, so again, we're making progress for sure. Um, but we're not we're not quite where we want to be. And I believe that having that 50-50, we will have a different outcome. And I want to be a witness to that. I want to have that experience of what does it look like? We've never had this before. It's never been like this before. It's never been a, you know, a complementary leadership team at these levels across the board as a norm. I want it to be a normal. And then we can all relax and go forward. But I think women... As women, we bring so many uh, other complementary, you know, skills and, and background to the table that uh, can help balance out where we are. So I've enjoyed being in the room. I love working with CEOs. I totally do. I love that kind of what are we, you know, what are we doing? And I have to tell you that I really did not feel uh, my gender at all in the room. What I felt was like, here's our problem. We've got a problem here. And we need to resolve it. And, and the whole thing was really like, what's your idea? Do you, what do you think we could do to help resolve this issue? And that's, to me, that's the fun part, is the conversations, the exploration, the let's go to the site and really see what's happening. And then let's reconvene and have more discussion and listening to what kind of ideas other people have about you know solving this and experiences that they bring to the table that might or might not be some kind of a piece of a solution for us to use. So that's the piece that I love. And that's what I want other women to experience. Cause I just think it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's collaborative. Um, and I had, as you were talking, I was had a visual of someone just dumping a puzzle on a boardroom table and it's all dark. No one can see anyone, but we're all collectively working together yeah. 
to build this and solve this together as partners in a um, collaborative way. Um, and I feel like that's kind of where we want to get, um, because like you said, the skill matrix, all everyone's bringing different things to the table, different perspectives that you're going to learn from someone else and respect that. And you're able to problem solve faster, more efficiently. Yeah. And I, and again, I think it comes down to outcomes. I think you'll see better. Some of the research shows that companies that have more women in these roles and also in the top leadership have better return on investment. They have fewer legal you know, lawsuits. Sure. Right. Interesting. 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 eh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're really good at big picture. I think women are good at planning, organizing. We see a big picture. Men are really good at that. Get the goal. Like they're really good. Like here it is. Let's go kill it. Let's get it. Right. And when you put the two together, they balance each other out because women can talk and plan forever and never get anything done. Yes. The date comes for the event and they didn't do all the stuff they were supposed to do to get it done. So it kind of, it fizzles. Whereas with men in there helping us to focus, hey, refocus, let's go to the goal. It, it changes it so that they complement us. And what we do for them is we prevent them from like driving something through a community that's going to destroy their, you know, their culture or whatever. Because we're like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 let's pay attention. If we're going to do that, if we're going to go there, who are we going to affect? How can we support them? We want to have a huge success. And that means we need to make sure we take care of the community. And that way we've got a long-term relationship and we'll be able to mine there for decades because we've taken care of them. We've included them, et cetera, et cetera. So you can see how that how we can work together and really combine those characteristics and qualities that we have in our genders to make, I think, a, a really successful world out there. Yeah, it's balancing the masculine and the feminine, looking at all sides of the problem before we um, solve the problem and it's ready, fire, aim. Sometimes we can slow down and ready, aim, and then fire. Um, so for the long term, it's going to help not only um, the people who are sitting in the boardroom, but also for communities, families, um, everyone's yes. take more things into consideration. Um, and I've heard similar things too. So um, before we go, I want people to know about your program because I've never heard of a program like this. I don't even know if there is another certification program for women to go through to be on board. So tell me a little bit about the program. Yeah, so this certification is a way that people actually, they have to take an exam after they go through my course. So we teach um, all of the, what I call the left brain stuff, the board governance, financial acumen, like how to read financial statements. What are your risks and responsibilities and liabilities as a director? gender dynamics in the boardroom, all, what is ESG, we, you know, uh, all kinds of different things. So there's, um, that's the, we have the intensive uh, training for the uh, certification, either online or live. And once women go through that, and it's specific to women. And I built this because as I was thinking about putting together a curriculum, I interviewed 200 women over 18 months because I wanted to know, why aren't you on a board, Jamie? What, tell me about your background. And once I learned about him, I was like, wait a second. I actually had a folder. I'd come home with my notes and stick it in there. It said super women on it. And I said, someday I'm going to write a book because these women are so amazing. And I, and, but what I recognized was there was this lack of a gap in what I call the executive level uh, confidence and competence. And that's what I got from my male mentors over those 30 years. They're, they speak a different language. There's a different culture in the boardroom. How do I teach that? 
So what I did was I built in 20 exercises in our program that everyone goes through. And these are like about your value proposition. What is your authority? Self-discovery. Where do you come from? All the way up to let's, let's talk about your ideal board so that you come out with that different vernacular. You understand why it is that way and you understand what it, what it means. And so my goal is to eliminate as many barriers to entry as possible. That's why I did the certification. And we have the first certification in the US. There are other groups now that are doing it for boards. Um, I've had candidates who won their board seat over another candidate because they have a certification. What it does is it tells the person and the company that's looking for a candidate that you've invested money and time in yourself to get yourself familiar with how boards work and they don't have to train you. Yes. Okay. So you're making it easy for them. I think yes. And the whole mindset piece, you're eliminating that barrier where women think, oh, I only have 60%. I'm not going to raise my hand. If they have a board certification in my mind, I'm like, no, I should be here. I do have a seat at the table um, and I'm ready to do this and I can figure it out. So you're helping move that along too. And by the way, anyone who's watching on YouTube can see that Michelle's sitting in a virtual boardroom right now, but it is fun. Every time I talk to you, it's a different boardroom. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like this one for today. I have a couple different ones. Yeah. I like it. It's very modern and sleek. Yeah. Um, I love this. Okay. Michelle, what's the easiest way for people to find you? Well, the easiest way is through our website or my email or LinkedIn, those three. So the, the uh, website is acellc.consulting. I think you're going to share that with people. And then I think you have my email address too, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yes. Email. And connect with me on LinkedIn, anybody, because I am prolific there. We'd happy be happy to put you on our list. And if you're on our mailing list, you'll see a weekly release of a profile of one of our graduates and we keep everybody up to speed and we market and support all of the ladies that go through our course and get their certification because we have to do that with each other. Men don't have to do that, but it's key for us because we're still in the embryonic stage, right? Of getting, getting these positions. When we get to the norm, it'll calm down. But for now we've got to really be, you know, pound the pavement. Yeah. And show social proof. And also too, when I see some, a woman wins an award or they've done something amazing, to me, I'm like, okay, she can do that. I can do that too. I'm not the only one striving for this. There's other people who have done it. And also those are potential mentors in the future because mentorship is also another really key component to all of women moving forward in leadership roles, whether they're an entrepreneur or corporate, that's another key component here. So um, this has been wonderful. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I loved it. It was really good. Awesome. Wonderful. And thank you everyone else for listening. I appreciate you and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this conversation. I'm Jamie Rowe with Look What She Built, the one and only podcast that celebrates the brave, bold, and badass women who are doing business their way and telling us about it. Until next time, Go show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Please share this with three women because we all need to share positive messages in the world. And if you want to learn more, please connect with me on social at Impact to Income.